product outsiders. We're not product managers, but we're close. In a world awash in MBAs and fancy suits, we're the people standing on the outside, our sleeves rolled up, ready to get some stuff done. We might not be product managers in the way you think, but we're undeniably passionate about solving problems for real people in ways that create real value. Whatever you call us, we're dedicated to building great collaborative teams and making incredible products together. Today's episode is a somewhat touchy subject. We're going to be looking at what it takes to make a great product manager, but we're not going to look at it from our own perspective or from what we've seen in the past. We've actually got a guest in our hot seat today who's going to speak to us from the perspective of a software engineer about what makes a great product manager. Aaron, welcome to Product Outsiders. We're glad you could spend some time with us today. Hey, Will. Thanks. Happy to be here. Tell me a little bit about yourself, Aaron. How long have you been a software engineer? I've been doing software engineering for about seven or eight years now. How'd you get into software engineering? What do you love about it? I think I like the complexity of solving problems. Uh, I was big into math in high school and college and attended a summer program where I got my first hands-on keyboard uh, experience doing some programming and really just kind of uh, felt like it fit with all my other abilities. So Awesome. So you're the classic mathlete turned software engineer. If that's classic, then yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Well, we're grateful for you to spend some time with us today. In just a moment, we'll get into our conversation about what it takes to make a great product manager. Uh, but first, I want to introduce my co-host. Hey, I'm Amber Hansford. I'm currently a UX manager, former product manager, and former front-end developer. I am Tammy Bolson. I'm an agile coach by day, writer by night, and I am interested in anything that has to do with people working together to build great products. Awesome. And I'm Will Sansbury. I am a tech writer turned UX designer turned product manager. So today on Product Outsiders, we're talking about what it takes to make a great product manager. We've got Aaron with us here, seven years in the software engineering game. All three of us have had the pleasure of working with Aaron in a previous job, and he's one of the best out there, undeniably. So of course, when we started talking about getting perspectives from people outside of product management about what they need and want from product, you were the first name that came up when we talked about software engineers, Aaron. That's my first question for you. What do you look for in a good product manager, someone that you feel like you've got good partnership with? You know, like you said earlier, it's a, not a touchy subject, but it's also a good question. I think there's a lot that people expect from product managers. And so it's it's hard to nail it down to like, what is one thing that makes a good one? But the top point that came to mind when, when you first started talking about this subject was someone who knows what needs to be done and why it needs to be done, not necessarily has any particular opinion on how, or not necessarily opinion, but just doesn't actually try to get into the weeds on how it needs to be done, because there's just so many different ways that any particular problem can be solved. But really understanding what the business case is for a particular feature or solution or product set, and then why, why we're doing it, what's the use case, not only the business value, but like, because our customers need it, because they did this, because this study shows that, because blah, 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 blah where it comes down to this is going to help the business thrive or help the product just be better. I want to play devil's advocate with you for a moment here. How does knowing why you're building something help you be a better software engineer? Can't you just pull the tickets out of Jira and write the code and stick it in the Git and along we go? Yeah, but that doesn't sound like fun. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 
Yeah, of course, any software engineer can do what's assigned to them, right? Any high school student can do the homework assigned to them. But what teacher says, go do this homework without having any particular reason why? There's usually some method to the madness and students need to know that just like software engineers need to know why they're doing what they're doing. What gets them out of bed in the morning to come to work is not taking the next task off the block and doing it. It's having some momentum behind what they're doing and some you know, reason behind it at the end of the day. So you're saying that throwing requirements over the cube wall isn't like fun? Oh, uh, well, it may be fun, but at the end of the day, it's not very satisfying. <laughs> I mean, if you've got a lot of them and you print them out and put them in a three ring binder, you get a good satisfying flat when you throw it over the wall. True, true. That's true. I didn't think about it from that perspective. So Aaron, if, if you have a, a good product manager who's given you the why behind why you're building something, what happens when, or, or what, in your experience, if you um, are building something that you all thought was the best guess based on what would take care of the customer, but then when it goes live and the customer doesn't seem as joyed as we thought they would be, how would you like to see a product manager handle that situation? Or do you ever, do, do we close the loop back with software engineers or how does that handle when what we deliver doesn't have the mark? Yeah, that, that's also a good question. Um, one of the things that I like to see is any kind of metrics or numbers when it comes to product adoption or feature adoption from our customers. And that's not necessarily something that even has to fall on a product manager's shoulders, but there has to be some way for it to get back to engineering. It could be baked into the requirements up front. So a good product manager might actually be thinking about this up front and build analytics into whatever the feature is that they're working on or whatever the product is that's in question and have some way to have a dashboard, even if it's an automated loop cycle that we're talking about here. Something like that is forefront in an engineer's mind, usually when they're going through something, but with a good product manager, it may not be the first thought, you know, because you, you're not necessarily worried about the numbers. You're just trying to get the feature out the door. So having that kind of mindset as well, I think would help, you know, keep you, I guess, just keep that loop closed quickly. Like you said, the faster that you can make those changes, the faster you can push those things out, the faster you can get that feedback and see, oh, our adoption went up 10% because we did X, Y, Z thing, you know, and that, and that is something that when measurable makes a really big impact on the team to be able to see, you know, the outcomes right away. Yeah. So it's, as a software engineer, it's important for you to know where something lands in the wild, not just go code it, build it, put it out and go move to the next thing. You care about what happened. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if it's something that helps with revenue. I know that you know revenue is top of mind for a lot of folks in the management chain, but from my experience and, and me particularly being a numbers guy and a math guy, it's just nice to see those numbers. I mean, it's nice to see, oh, this had this XYZ impact whether there's any specific benefit to the team, if there's OKRs that you have to meet or goals that are, that are responsible for, you know, helping with potential bonus structure down the line, it's not, that's not really the part of it, but just seeing that something's making an impact also helps. Nice. Aaron, I'm curious if you can share with us a story from your experience. Think about the best product manager you've worked with and what they did that really made it a great experience for you. And, and tell us about that person. How did they show up for you? That's a tricky one. I've, had some okay product managers. I think uh, I don't have tons of experience just because I've only been on a total of three teams in the seven or eight years that I've, I've been in the industry. But I would say that I've got a pretty good, I don't know if it's a good story, but just 
someone who was looking out for the engineers at the time, which is also, you know, something that you might want a good product manager to do is coming in and telling actually a different product manager at the time who was very adamant about how a particular piece of functionality needed to get done and exactly how much time it was going to take based on his or her information that they had in their head, which may or may not have been accurate. Uh, so, you know, a lot of uh, angry vibes going on in a particular meeting where this one particular product manager was very adamant that all you have to do is this. This is what needs to be done. I need it done exactly this way. And it shouldn't take you very long. It should take this amount of time. And it, it was very uh, techni technically driven, that meeting of do X, Y, Z thing. And there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It has to be done in this way. And then uh, on the other side, other individual who was standing up for us basically came in and said, listen, we're, you don't get to tell the engineers how to do what they're going to do. <laughs> Not exactly in these words, but basically sit down and shut up, you know, almost in a way that was constructive at the time and not obviously sounding like that. It really helped us to see, or helped me at least to see that different dichotomy of what that could be. And it was really nice to see someone have that effect on someone else in a way that they could constructively say, listen, we are going to do what we're going to do. We need you to tell us what needs to be done and why, and then let us figure out the how, because that's our job. That's what we're supposed to do. It's a pretty generic story, but that I remember that very distinctly early in my career, actually, it kind of stuck with me that whole time. So, yeah, that's an awesome story. It, it, we've talked in, in one of our previous episodes about the myth of the single ringable neck and this notion that gets put on product managers that everything is on their shoulders and they're responsible for the entirety of the world. And I think a lot of times when people are fed that line of, bullcrap and don't realize that it's bullcrap, they can get in that situation where they come in and try to control everything. So, you know, I think it's one of the things that we're passionate about. One of the things that really drove us to start this podcast in the first place is because we've had that experience of working with teams that are really all in it together, where you've got designers and software engineers and product managers and testers and all of these different disciplines coming together, working together to drive these goals together. And it sounds like you described a product manager who gets that, right? Who understands that it's not that you have to stay in your swim lane, but it's that you do something really well, do that really well, and let the people who do this other thing really well do it really well. I wouldn't hire a general contractor to come in and, and renovate my house and tell them exactly what brand of drywall to use, you know, right. that sort of thing. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it came down to like a trust thing, I think, right? And, and it could easily come down to that for anyone that's in the same situation. One negative experience in the past you know, would suddenly send your trust, you know, out the window for someone who's in a similar role, even if it's three companies later. I mean, that thing can just like weigh on you for a bit if you're not able to push that aside and say, you know, we got to be able to trust the people that we have and make sure that they are supported well enough to do what they need to do. Yeah. Sometimes I believe that trust is one of those commodities in corporations that is in short supply at times. Mm -hmm. And it comes down to the fact that it really is the baggage that you carry from wherever you were before, or even if you were in the same company, but in a different mm -hmm. group. I wanted to ask you if there was the opportunity to sit in on an interview for a product manager at your company, what would be the one question that you would have to have answered that you would ask them? Mm. So I have sat in on a few interviews of that type of product manager interviews. It, that is a really good question. Let me think for a second. Hmm. I think that 
something that would be important to me to ask would be just how in general that person might deal with an engineer or even someone off the team who is trying to, I guess, overstep their boundaries in such a way that they were, I mean, similar to what the other individual in my previous story was was doing, how would they deal with someone who was handling a situation like that poorly, where they were trying to push too much into the engineer's swim lane or push too much onto the tester's swim lane or not take accountability for not having done the job that they were supposed to do, which is define the requirements, define this, define that, or, or, or just understand the business need at the time. And how would someone that was coming into a role deal with someone like that who is on either the same team? Because if you have a couple of product managers or product owner, product manager kind of dynamic going on, and then how would you handle uh, taking that on and making sure that that person is either coached in the direction that helps them not or helps them support the team more or or how would you handle interacting with that person on a day-to-day basis to make sure that they weren't a detriment to the team in some cases which it can be if they come in and say hey you have to do things this way that way i'm not sure if that made a ton of sense but <laughs> that that's pretty much what i got i got it i got it and i also am one of those folks that moved out of development into product and I would try to critique code. I I was very quickly shot down, as I should have been. <laughs> yeah, one thing I've noticed is, is it's it's good to have someone that is uh, interested in, in in understanding how things work potentially at that level. But to come in and try to critique if you're not deep in the woods of it, I mean, you're you're gonna have a bad time. Like basically, things change so rapidly from even if you were a developer that went into like a TPM type of role. I mean, even then, if you're not mm-hmm. an individual contributor, it, things will change like that. And you just maybe have no idea what is happening anymore. Even after just a year, it's very, very easy for that to happen and to get into a position where you just think you know, but you, you haven't been in it, you know, or you're not directly impacted by, or not directly impacting the team that that's, uh, or the code that's in question. So it's hard to make that call. But staying out of it is, is, the, is the easier way, right? Trying to just... Let them do their thing and, and uh, trust that the engineers and the managers on that side of the organization are doing what they need to do. For those folks listening who want to move out of development into product, use me as kind of the poster child of what not to do. <laughs> but that's honestly how I started speaking in analogies because it it got me that step away from the code. If I could talk about things that weren't real, but they were the good metaphor for what I wanted. It was the way that I could bridge that gap without telling a developer how to do their job. Yeah, right. yeah that makes sense. <laughs> there's a delicate balance there, I think, though, because there's also something incredibly valuable in having that beginner's mind and asking kind of the obvious dumb questions, even at the technical or architectural level. There have been times in my career where we're working through something as a team and I go, well, have we looked at it? this way. And I ask a question that I expect to be a quick pat on the head and go sit in the corner. And instead it blows the the conversation wide open. You know, so I think you got to be open to both of those. I really think the difference is posture. If you're coming at it from a place of humility, then you can ask questions and you can push into other people's work in a way that is not threatening and does not devalue what they bring to their work. But for whatever reason, maybe I've just been unlucky. It seems like there's a lot of product managers out there who have some fairly significant issues with their confidence and their self-esteem deep down to the point that they are very uncomfortable letting someone else be better at something than they are. I've always wondered, I don't know why that is, but it 
seems like that's the case often. Yeah, I think if I could just touch on that a second, people have that type of, I don't know, mentality in almost any industry that mm. they are in. I don't think it's very specific to product owners or product managers. I mean, there's engineers who have egos the size of the earth. You know what I'm saying? I mean, this is not something that is specific to a product manager, but it is, like you said, having that awareness to come at it from a perspective of, I may not know much about this, but I will ask this question in a way that is not, you're not accusing anyone. There's no accusatory nature to the question. You're just saying, I don't know anything. Tell me how this works and why it's done this way just for my understanding. And if you kind of come at it from that way and somebody will come along and they go and explain it to you and then they're like, wait, that's actually not what I wanted it to do. That's actually wasn't the intent, you know? And if you can poke at it that way, it's a very, very common thing in just trying to tease out, you know, what is exactly happening here. And, and engineers will do that amongst themselves all the time. Uh, it's actually very specifically a type of engineering practice, I guess you could call it, to like debug your own code just by reading it out loud to someone. Or, or to no one. It's called rubber duck debugging is one that you've probably heard of. Mm -hmm. Just explaining the code to someone who's sitting next to you. And then you're like, wait, why is it doing that? I didn't, that, that wasn't part of the you know requirements here. That wasn't what it was supposed to do. And you can figure stuff out just as easily that way. So I think that you're spot on in saying that you should be able to ask those questions and come at it from that way. But having to have the right mindset really makes a difference. I think that's what we see when we think about these teams that are really phenomenal teams that are firing on all cylinders, delivering greatness for their customers. Those aren't teams where the designers go over and decide all the design questions and then put them in Confluence so the engineers can go read them and then they build all the code, right? These are teams that do pretty much all of the activities and delivering software together to some degree, but they have the wisdom and, or the, I don't know what I'm trying to say, the wisdom or the wherewithal to let the person who's best at it guide the team through their parts. So, you know, the, I, the way I always try to think of it and the way that I coach the product managers that I lead is their job is not to be the expert on the product. Their job is to be the facilitator of the team getting something out that's great. And there are times that they'll, they'll be operating from expertise and there are times that they will be the absolute idiot in the room. And both of those are okay and necessary. So... That kind of notion of the team coming together, doing things together, starting and finishing together is so critical for, for teams that really manage to produce a lot of value. Yeah, I will say one of the uh, difficult parts of that is that you're rarely on a team that got to start something together. You're often, very often thrown into a team that is either already up and running or has been up and running, You know, either just got up and running, has been up and running for years and like cycled individuals out as as people you know churn uh, which is just you know the cost of doing business you're, you're very rarely in a situation where the entire team was hired and then was like go do this thing and then spun that thing up from scratch you know in a way that that they were able to do it how they wanted to or how they felt was necessary and, and that's really one of the i think big hurdles to get over as any team or any product manager joins a team or even an engineer is to figure out how you can get to a point where it feels like you guys are all working together on something that you all built rather than just like mm. maintaining something that's been around for 10 years, you know, or, or less in some cases, but in legacy software, it's hard to find something that is, you can truly own and want to take ownership of because you weren't around when it was built. Right. Why is it done this way? I don't know. I, it was like that when I got here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then somebody, people are coming at you trying to figure out why stuff is like this and nobody knows because it's been like that for however long. That's a really serious problem. I think that is hard to address. 
And I think that dovetails all the way back to your original point though, Aaron, right? There are product managers out there certainly that look at their backlog is just the collection of the items that somebody was screaming about loudest and the order of who's screaming at which volume, right? <laughs> and so when it gets to the team, it's this disconnected, jumbled mess of incrementalism. And good product managers are going to be in the business of driving clarity for the vision of the product. And they're going to be in the business of helping the entire team see that we may have a product that's been around for even 25 years, but the way we're changing the world right now is this. And here's the collection of, of stories and here's the collection of epics and here's the work that does that. If product managers can drive that, they can get to the point that the team can start and finish something together. It's just a much smaller something, right? Just, which is totally fine. Yeah. But a project, a anything that the team can get behind, you know, is, is yeah. uh, important. Not just like you said, change this there and that over there and increase the font size here and update this button over there. You know, that's not going to bring a team closer together collaboratively. It's, it's just, like you said, incrementalism that is while important, you know, it's not a project that will get everyone, you know, on the same team, I guess you should say, for lack of a better word. And strategically, it's a path to death, right? There's no product that has been on that road for very long that has suddenly become wildly successful. You've got to have vision and strategy. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Aaron, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. This has been a great conversation. We've enjoyed kind of getting your perspective of what product management means and how it works best with software engineers. Enjoyed getting to reconnect with you. Haven't seen you in quite a while, so it's good seeing your face and hearing your voice. This is the first in the series that we plan to do with different disciplines working in balanced, collaborative teams to deliver products together, understanding what different disciplines need of product managers. We hope that you'll tune in for our next episode where we'll be looking at another discipline, the user experience piece, and how a user experience designer or researcher best collaborates and works with a product manager. If you're interested in hearing more or you have a topic you'd like us to cover, or even if you're somebody sitting out there and you're thinking, you know what, I love what I do, but I wish product managers understood this, get in touch. We'd love to have you come and join us and sit in our hot seat for an episode. You can check us out at productoutsiders.com and find us on any podcast provider. Stay gold, friends. Stay gold. Gold. What, am I supposed to say something? (laughs) 